Cell Lab has taken a bit of a hiatus, but we are really excited to kick things back off with a very special guest. It has been a while, so of course we had to come back with a bang, and we're really excited to welcome Dom Dawson. Dom has been in the TV and film industry. Um, She's a costume designer. She's been in the industry for going on 15 years. She has consistently put work in during this time, rising through the ranks, starting off as many do, as uh, in assistant roles, and then eventually stepping into the role of a costume design of that she's in now, costume designer. You've worked with lots of incredible talent over the years, but I'm just gonna go. I'm going to go off of what I saw um, in reading about your background, but as we talk more, feel free to please share some folks that I might have left out. But you've worked with the likes of Alicia Keys, Viola Davis, Ava DuVernay. Speaking of Ava, you worked on a really important doc with her about Colin Kaepernick called Colin in Black, which I am really looking forward to hearing about. Um, and most recently, you worked on the TV series, the comedy slash thriller slash drama Swarm, created by an executive produced by Donald Glover, starring Dominique Fishback, Chloe Bailey, Damson Idris, Billy Eilish, and more. And we definitely want to hear about that. I love, love that show. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Um, it's like everything. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, and full disclosure for those who are listening, Dom and I met when I was managing a rap duo called Nola Darling, who were actually your friends. You guys went to school together. Big up to Nola Darling. Yes, Nola Darling. <laughs> I still think they were ahead of their time. I don't know if folks were really ready back then. That's always the the tough part when you have vision. But so she was, you know, you were styling them and they always had an amazing, very cool look and great personal style, but their visuals were really, really important and you were a big part of that. So, you know, that was always, it was just cool to have, you know, they had such a great kind of group of friends who were all really creative and were able to contribute to everything that we were doing back then, all the visuals and music and everything. So that was cool. And so Cyril Lab wants to, we wanted to talk to Dom and, to Dom because you represent the women that we want to learn more about. We've mentioned the names that you've worked with and the shows you've been a part of. As a costume designer, your impact on the outcome is really important. It's part of the storytelling. This is what we aim to share with our listeners, who are the women who are part of the process and who are helping to tell the story. We highlight women who have unconventional, who work in unconventional fields. And I think a lot of times people don't know how to get into those areas or they don't really know what they consist of. You know, you kind of see what the outcome is and you think it's maybe easier or less complicated, or you just really don't know what's really involved. And so we really want to talk to the women who are doing it and, and learn about the journey, how you got there, what your process is and what it really means to have the kind of role that you have. So a lot of times I like to start from just the first question I normally have is, what do you call yourself? I say, you know, I know that I can look you up and it'll say costume designer, but sometimes people, you know, kind of have different ways of looking at their work. So what do you call yourself? I think first and foremost, I'm a storyteller, you know, um, I do that storytelling in a lot of different ways, but um, it allows me to go in a creative director position, a costume designer position, and even a producer position. And so, you know, and even direct sometimes. So I think I would say overall, I'm a storyteller. Well, what I read is that you went to school for directing. You went to NYU to direct. So, I mean, this is actually wasn't what I was the direction I was going to go in next. But since we're talking about storytelling, how did, I know you you ended up transitioning and going into costume design. What was that transition like? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was in this program at NYU that allowed you to function as an actor, a director, and a designer your first year. And then after that, you had to pick a track. And I picked the directing track. So I, you know, 
was so focused on that. I directed a bunch of stuff um, through the um, theater scene in New York. And, um, and when I got out, it's just like, there was no opportunities. It was literally like starting from the, from the bottom, like I'd have to be a PA on set. So I thought, you know, I've always loved, you know, styling and clothing, and at least I'll be inspired and be able to be creative. So I started assisting stylists and, and on, and through that, I was, peeping the directors the whole time, like watching their process and trying to see how they get down. And, um, and then it just like caught momentum and like, now we're here. So and now I'm a costume designer. Wow. (laughs) Did you feel like it was, it was just natural. Like, did you feel like this was actually your calling well, it's funny because my mom growing up, she was a stylist in the beginning of her career. Okay. And so I remember going to sets with her and, you wow. know, playing in the clothes and just getting lost for hours in their like stock, their back stock areas, okay. shoes and coats and accessories and all that kind of stuff. I loved going thrift shopping when I was super little with my mom and my grandma and, you know, So yes, I was very interested in the power of objects and how they tell stories. But I think what's interesting is like, we're all multifaceted and, um, you know, storytelling is one muscle, but it's like, in what way do you exercise that muscle, right? Right. And, And I think at the time when I started, people were like, you have to choose one, Right. It was a different time. Now it's a much more open, people are more interested in exploring the variety of your talent. Right, and, so, right. and so now, you know, yes, I am a costume designer for film and TV, but I also work as creative director for brands and for musicians, you know, to sculpt their look and um sometimes I you know commercially and like all kinds of things so mm-hmm. I kind of can now go in and out of different roles right and I think that that was always challenging for creatives is that there was always this you were always encouraged to choose this one thing and it's like if you're creative a lot of times it's not just in one particular area and so to me I think it's pretty natural to explore different areas so totally even looking at like Donald Glover is the perfect example (laughs) right right he started out as a writer stand-up comedian morphed into an actor and then morphed into a rapper and then morphed into a you know a television producer and director like that's amazing yeah he's an exceptional version of that because he does everything really well I mean, not really well, like exceptionally well, like that's rare. Yeah, he's a rare, rare one. Um. But you did, so you did touch on your upbringing and that's always something that I like to kind of delve into, you know, creatives. It's something that starts early you talked about your mom already so she worked on she was a costume designer or is a costume designer she she was a staff she worked more in the commercial field of like styling print and catalogs and that that circuit um and then she kind of got elevated to a create like a um casting director and so then I would go on all her little go sees and I would get to see them, you know, select the talent. And I think all that behind the scenes uh, training, it was in essence, you know, it was just, it allowed me to feel very comfortable um, working behind the scenes because I already understood how it worked. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So a lot of people might be nervous at first, but I was like never nervous because I just, it's like I grew up in it yeah Um, and then yeah I think I just was always 
um, involved in, you know, whether it was acting workshops, dance classes, uh, pottery, like jewelry making, like so many like hands-on classes. My mom like packed my schedule. So I was really lucky to grow up in San Francisco. So there was just so much opportunity for kids to like do art. You know? I mean, I really, a lot to what you're saying. My mom is a, she's a designer. She's a wearable art designer. She worked as a, as a pattern, a production pattern maker for years in New York, but she has always designed her own clothing. And yeah. so, you know, we always had a studio in the house. We always had mannequins. We always had sewing machines. We always had fabric, rolls of fabric around the house. So I get that where it's just very natural. It's almost second nature. That's what's made you who you are. Well, that's 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 definitely like that's having a leg up because in a way it's like you were an intern as a just as a kid, you know, just that exposure (laughs) goes such a long way. Just being in those spaces and seeing what the interactions are like is is such a big part of the learning process. So was it difficult for you to decide that I'm going to be a director? Were you supported? in that or were you like choosing between different areas? You know, when I went to NYU, I I auditioned as an actor. And so hands down, that's what I wanted to be. And I knew, but I did express in the audition that I was interested in learning about directing too. And there were two studios, Playwrights Horizons and Experimental Theater Wing that would allow you to learn about that. So I kind of was hinting like, I want placement in those, you yeah. know? Um, but I found that, and granted, this was a whole nother era. When I got to NYU, my body was an issue, right? Like I'm a plus size chick and it seemed like I would, there were not roles available for me, you know? Um even in like the main stage plays that they would do and the, you know, just, just what's available in the, when you, whenever you go into the library and look at plays and scripts, you know, and so I was given a lot of flack about losing weight and, you know, getting on top of that. And that kind of discouraged me at the time, you know, I think if it was today, they would have been, oh my God, yes, you're plus size, live it up. You know, how can we celebrate this? <laughs> you know, hey, goodness. So, yeah, like it was just like I was given a lot of flack about that. And so, I, my logic was okay, well, I was kind of already interested in both in front of the camera and behind the camera. Maybe I should just pick directing because you know at least it's not about what you look like Uh Uh but at the end of the day it's Hollywood it's judgmental period you know yeah it's so ego-based you know it doesn't matter if you're behind the camera or in front of the camera it actually does matter what you look like because people treat you differently unfortunately Yeah. yeah so so I came up against that um you know, still feeling um, judged and sometimes undermined. But, you know, nevertheless, I just kept going because this is what I love doing, you know? Something. What was the first job you had as a costume designer? Um, Well, it was actually, I was still in New York. I had graduated and I had just been assisting. And um, I saw this, I don't know if it was like, I think it was through this site called Mandy. They were looking for, it was like a production listing job site. And they were looking for a costume designer for this short film called Security. And, and yeah. so it was a great project for me to jump into. And it was starring Chris Messina. Um, and Matt Linnell was, he, he was a director and creator on Heather's. Um, was directing it and Israel Horovitz who's a great playwright he wrote it so it was like it was like a perfect project for me to jump in and kind of begin to explore that world but it was a short so it was like something I could handle for my first job you know Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I got experience in doing, you know, TSA uniforms, you know, traditional hijabs and um, just the various personalities that go into an airport, you know? How does it work? Like what's the first like kind of outreach? And then, you know, how are the characters presented to you? What are the discussions that happen to kind of like build out, you know, what they're gonna look like? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So at that time, you know, I was brand new. So I, it's, I didn't have an agent, but typically now I have an agent. They send me little synopsis breakdowns with, uh, you know, who's cast in it. Is there anyone attached? Who's directing it? A synopsis of it and, and the budget and the studio that's associated. Right. And from that little description, I can say, Hey, yeah, I want to read that script or mm, that doesn't really sound like a good fit for me. So once they send me the script, then I jump in and I usually read the script like five times, you know, so that I can pay attention to different things as I go. You know, initially I'm just trying to get a mood for like the whole piece and to really understand kind of the perspective of this, of the screenwriter. And then I start zeroing in on you know, location and how environment influences character. And then on the third one, I really try to look at it from one particular character's perspective and how they travel through the, the world. And then I switch it and, and you know, go to the secondary person and, and really follow their objectives and so that I can get into their headspace. So, and then I, and then I, you know, my final one is usually like looking at like, how do we perceive as outsiders, other characters in the, in the film or TV, um, how do we perceive those two main leads, right? And is it different than what they're trying to present? All of that. So, um, yeah, I, then once that's done, then I start making a huge, board, right? I I utilize different programs, keynote pages, and I start assembling images to create um, not only a mood board, but then visual references in terms of tone, in terms of um, uh, like feeling and sentiment. And then I go into each character and break down their look and kind of um, attempt to show the journey of their costume. Some, it's very rare, but some characters might start in one place and by the end stay the same. Very rare. But most characters will have a journey where they'll come out of themselves and maybe go back in out of fear and then end up in a new place. And so how do we show that journey through clothing right and so i just ask all those questions and um really dissect you know what the intentions are behind the words wow that sounds like a lot are you responsible for everyone's for all of the costumes is it there's one costume designer who's responsible for the entire project yes so We have different key costumers that work underneath us that I, uh, you know, we might have like a background key and then we have a principal key. And um, on this movie I just did, we had two background keys because it was so extensive with with BG. Um, And I'd have to have, you know, we had months of prep time beforehand where I gave them full boards of and decks that really honed in on the time period and on the color palette that I wanted to see for each setup. You know what I mean? Uh So that the background fully um, complemented and and was able to to act as another character in the scene. You know? Do you... How much back and forth is there? Like, who are you, who are you just having these discussions with to kind of, who do you need to present this to? Is it the, the director or? Yeah. Um, and then how much, 
kind of input or how much are you guys essentially collaborating on it? Yeah. So I think initially, you know, you do a big deck to kind of get the job, right? So you show them all your stuff to that, so that they can see the lens that you're looking at the project as. And, and then based off that, you get chosen. Once you're in, um, then you have many meetings where you, um, initially first show them concepts of, Hey, this is what I'm going for so that you guys are on, get on the same page color wise, texture wise, uh, fit and silhouette, all of that. Then we go shop and we tear it up. We, sh- we shop, we do go to rental houses. We make things. Uh, we have a whole tailor staff of, you know, amazing craftsmen and, um, depending on the budget, you either get to make a lot or maybe not. Um, <laughs> but then once that stuff is all assembled, we have our fittings, we take pictures. And w- again, we meet with the director and usually the producer. Um, it can be sometimes on Zoom nowadays. And so I have to make sure all my decks are digital um and super like friendly so I can just like walk them through and each photo is labeled so that they can call out specific numbers of which ones which looks they like Uh and um so then you know they they might say oh we love look b but um is there a way we can make the hat green or can the top be looser feels too confining for her or you know just little subtle adjustments Yep. Sometimes you might knock it out of the park and they might be like, yes, yes, yes. Right. Um, but usually somebody got something to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Wow. What makes you interested? Like what, what is it about, you know, the project that'll make you say yes? Or, and what will make you say no? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the synopsises are really helpful because it cuts down to the core of what the piece is about, right? So you might read a synopsis that's like, it's a mystery thriller about a guy that just got out of jail. And what is he going to do now with his life? And you're like, oh my God, this sounds like so stereotypical, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, not interested. But then you look at who's the showrunner? What other types of shows have they done? Um, who's the director? What else have they, what's the style of their work? Right. And, and then it goes on. Who's the DP? Who's the, um, other production designer? Cause usually those people ha- have been assembled early on. Yeah. And based off of that, that's where I make my decision. Because if I'm around other creatives that are pushing the envelope yeah. and are like, unafraid to tackle bold shit and maybe make like um really interesting unconventional choices then i'm gonna thrive you know yeah Yeah. so then it could take this considered basic story and elevate it to a place where wow this is like a visual masterpiece you know it really is a team effort i mean you can come and put your best foot forward and be incredible at what you do but it really is like, you know, everyone has to be really great in their respective areas for the outcome to be, for to have a really great outcome. I just um, want to be able to work my magic, you know, like I don't ever want to take on a project that's just um, where I'm just going through the motions of dressing people and I don't get to have any imagination and and play with you know their looks mm-hmm. never just kind of you know coming in to check boxes I mean you are coming in as a creative so what do you think is your you know secret sauce I definitely think you know my secret sauce is a combination of two things like one is work ethic you know like I care so much and it's evident you know, in every creative project that I do. And so people love to bring me on because they know I'm not going to stop until I get 
to the thing that is going to serve this project best. Yep. And it doesn't matter if it's my idea or their idea or where we get it from, but just as long as we get there, um, I'm fulfilled, right? Yeah. So, um, so that work ethic has brought me very far. Um, number two is also just like my exposure to so many different types of cultures and art and I've, I've traveled and, you know, I've lived, um, you know, all over the country and backpacking. And so just, just being exposed to yeah. so many different worlds informs, you know, my work. And, yeah. um, so it's not like some costume designers are kind of pigeonholed into doing specific types of shows. They, they're really good at this. Whereas like, if you look at my work, like I definitely have a lot of different styles yeah. that I can attack. So. Yeah. Yeah. Very important just to have that range of kind of references to pull from based yeah. on your exposure. Yeah. So what was the project you worked on where you felt like, okay, I am a fish made? Well, I definitely, you know, when I worked on Colin in Black and White, which is the show about Colin Kaepernick's upbringing, yep. it was, it's a scripted show. And, you know, he grew up in the Bay Area, you know, basically like 15 minutes away from where my dad lived. So I would like visit my dad, you know, on the weekends and for summer vacations, like in that town. So I knew that area and what that world felt like is super like rural suburbia, like, Uh um, and so when I got brought on that and, you know, was able to tell this story of, you know, a mixed kid working to find his identity and understand his blackness that meant a lot to me yeah. right but i don't think i felt like i had fully arrived until like like the next job the the job right after that i did dmz which is like a dc comic that graphic novel that like you know, everybody's obsessed with, right? So there was like a lot of pressure to like honor the book and please the fans and the budget was so huge. And um, it was with Rosario Dawson and Benjamin Bratt and like just an amazing cast. And so that, when I did that, that for me was the confirmation that like, I'm ready to do anything. I'm ready to step into these big budgets and, you know, higher production value shows. Yeah. yeah. I know it must feel great to be able to uh, see your name rolling in the credits. <laughs> so you've worked with lots of really amazing people and I don't know if I named everyone, but the names that jumped out of just in reading and doing my research, Viola mm-hmm. Davis, can you tell us about that? Yeah, so she was actually the producer on a show that I did called American Coco. And that was with, um, uh, actress and writer, Diara Kilpatrick. So, oh, okay. oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we went to college together and we met like on the first day of college because we have the same birthday okay. and it was, it was our birthday. Yeah. So, um, she did a show that was about the concept of like a race detective, okay. you know, cracking okay. cases that are like centered around racism. And um, Viola produced it. So it was just, it was wonderful because she provided us so much freedom to be able to explore these kind of controversial topics, you know. Um, But in, you know, ABC produced it in in tandem with her. So, but it it got exposure, you know. Okay, okay. That sounds really interesting. Where, where is that? Is that available? Yeah, where is that available? Yeah, I think it's available on ABC, um, whatever their online platform. So, okay, okay. I'm gonna look okay. it up. Yeah, because that one, show, right? She has a show that just started. They just started promoting. 
Yeah, so she has her new show, which is Diara from Detroit. And I think yeah. um, that is going to be just so amazing. But it has that kind of mystery detective vibe as well. And so yeah. I think she's just curious by nature. And, and, you know, like, it just lends itself to, you know, she, she didn't get to fully explore that. We did two seasons of... American Coco. So I think that energy was still in her and she was like, let's try it again, you know, different circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely a powerhouse, you know, like, you know, there's so many beautiful, talented actresses here, but you know, for her to be able to write as well as she does and, you know, really build her own platform. That's just, I, I, so admirable. And I just like, yeah. And it really goes to show that everyone's just been working, you know, everyone's been doing this for a while. And I mean, as they say, you know, by the time people become known to the larger public, it's because they've been, it's, it's just because maybe a particular project has taken them there, but they've been putting the work in for years. You know, I didn't know that she was involved in that show before. And I don't know much about her background. I just found out about her, but she obviously has been, you know, preparing and doing this. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more from her. So, and then, okay, so Ava DuVernay, so you, do you work with her? Is this a, like an ongoing role or how does that work? Started out uh, just for Colin in black and white. You know, and I, there were several stages of interviews where I interviewed with her producers and then I had a final interview with her, you know, directly and walked her through my vision for that. And then once she saw what I was kind of capable on that, she really was instrumental in um, getting me approved to do DMZ, you know, because um, Warner Brothers is, you know, uh, tried and true they're like she hasn't worked on this level yet like she hasn't experienced a budget and had to run a department you know is she ready for this but Ava um just trusted in me and and so she fought for me to really get that job and um so then when I got there I just was like you know I I made sure not to disappoint her (laughs) um and then uh we just did another project together. So, you know, on those projects, I, I mostly worked with her really intensely on the pilots. Okay. And then, um, for the following episodes, we would touch base and she would still make approvals on all costumes, but it wasn't so like every minute of every day interactions. Whereas, on this movie, you know, this is a movie that she wrote and it's been her baby for years. She did so much research on this film. And so then I got to work really hand in hand with her. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. I love to hear that. Just, you know, us when we do have the opportunity to make sure that we're bringing other women and other women of color in with us, you know. So, I am obsessed. Um, well, first of all, I think Donald Glover is just, he's a, a genius. I mean, I think that's an understatement. I love Atlanta. And, you know, I was just already excited at the idea that he had, once I found out he had a new show um, and the concept is like really, really dope. And I don't know how many people could really deliver it in that way. And um, and then, you know, I saw that you were the costume designer and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. So tell me about that. How did that, did you have a relationship with him or how did that come together? And did you, again, you're working with everyone on the, you're responsible for every last person. Okay. So how was that? (laughs) Well, okay. So basically I did not know him before and uh, he had seen The Last Black Man of San Francisco, which I worked on. And... Um, was so into just like the rawness of that and, um, and, and the overall, it still had moments of magic realism at certain points, you know? Um, yeah. 
And so he reached out to my agent and, you know, set a meeting. And so I always go above and beyond. Like this might be an initial meeting, but for me, I'm like, I'm going to give you everything I got so that you really get that I want to work with you. Right. So I did like a huge deck for him to really just submerge him in the vibe and, and how I saw Nyjah, the pop star and, and all of that. And so, um, it's funny cause I was here, which I'm in Maryland right now. Okay. Right. And, um, so he saw my, where I was and he's like, where are you? And I was like, oh yeah, like we have a house out here where we just kind of come and like try to get away from LA. And he was just like, oh my God, I just bought a ranch and like was going off about how, you know, important nature is to like clear your mind and like step up and tackle the next project. So we definitely vibed off that. And then like, I think, you know, I didn't know, like, even though we spoke for a really long time on the meeting, I wasn't sure if he was like, if I was going to get the job, you know, but literally within a day, I got the call that I, that I, I got picked. So I was like, this is awesome. And, you know, the way he works is just like, you have like two or three really big meetings where, you know, all the departments are sharing and you get to really get a sense of like what our overall goal is and what the aesthetic is. And then, um, he really lets you kind of like go and, and play and have a lot of freedom. So amazing. And how long does a process like that? So I'm assuming that your everything has to be already agreed to and selected prior to shooting, right? So you're just basically kind of knocking it out. Like it's all lined up per episode and ready for each episode. Is that how it works? We would wish that. <laughs> that would be the perfect way to organize it, wouldn't it? <laughs> but the main thing is, is most often it's not cast yet. So like you might have your lead, your, your number one and your number two, but then there's all these guest stars that come on just for that episode and they don't get cast till like, you know, four days before sometimes, Oh, because of traveling, they can't get in until two days before they shoot. Okay. So, so what we do is we build closets for people So our core talent has, you know, a big stock of looks that, you know, we've already kind of gone through and been like, this will be great for this beat. This is great. And we have multiples of this for this, you know, stunt. Um, We've kind of mapped out our top stars. Uh Then for the day players, um, we, you know, we do have a big stock but we kind of usually like to wait until we at least know the body type or like, you know, who, what the vibe of the actor is. Cause that can dictate so much how you interpret the character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So unfortunately we end up probably having to like, okay, let's go hit them all, you know, like oh send the and hurry back for the fitting. Wow. <laughs> So in a in a case like for instance with Billie Eilish, are you in any way communicating with her like regular stylist at all on anything? Or are you just like, this is what the show is gonna call for and she's just it's really just about meeting whatever the needs of the character will be? Every everybody's different, right? So like for her, she was working on other music stuff at the time so she couldn't have she didn't have enough time to come to Atlanta so I flew to LA to do the fitting with her right and I really just spoke with her stylist to get her sizes to get you know any like allergies that she had to certain fabrics or dislikes you know certain colors etc and then I I did show her stylist a, a board that I put together that kind of like had the vibe of the character and some examples of pieces that I had pulled. 
Um, yeah. Um, and and then when once she got there, you know, it was just me, her, and her mom. And we did the fitting and it was super smooth. And she totally, like, I, I kind of let her, I had a big a bunch of racks and I kind of let her look through stuff and see what she was drawn to okay. um, from the character's perspective. Yeah. And then we kind of talk about placement, like, okay, where would this go? What scene would this be for, et cetera. Okay, that's interesting. And that's unique. I mean, that's not typically how it goes because she's a, an artist. So there's like some other considerations there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's already so creative herself and she directs okay. and is so thoughtful about, you know, the power of, you know, color and choices and fit and all of that. She understands that. So it only helps to incorporate and have that collaboration with actors, you know? Interesting. Um, so let me ask you, so, I mean, I feel like we touched on it a tiny, tiny bit, but so what has been your experience as a black woman in, I guess, in Hollywood? Well, I would say at times it's been difficult in the sense that it, it is a very male dominated world. So, I mean, not specifically costumes, but just being on a film or television set, you know, it, there's so many men. And so for me, I definitely uh, latch on to those women who I really vibe with and feel this kind of like trust with so that on every production there's somebody that you always connect with and um you know I work really hard to also hand pick like my whole department like I, I I interview people in person so that I can catch a vibe of their energy and make sure that you know we're really gonna enjoy this process together I don't want, like, we have so many obstacles that we come up against in production. We don't need that in our d department, you know? Yeah. But I think, um, you know, it's rough at times. You know, they. I think they think, oh, you just want to do BET shows? You want to do Black shows? You're good at that. Right, right. And that is just scratching the surface of what we can do. So... You know, sometimes, um, like I have, I had to remind my past agent, you know, like, hey, like I, I do more than just black shows. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I want to be considered for a variety of stories that just talk about the human condition, right? That's definitely something that we always are up against is the understanding that we have range. You mentioned team and this is something I wanted to ask before what does that look like like how many people like for instance with swarm like a department how large is your department yeah okay like, so to, yeah. you know it varies based on the budget and also if you're doing um various time periods oh. for swarm because there was this specialty component of this nija pop star we had a little bit more than than what would be a normal crew for a contemporary show. Mm -hmm. So we had me, my costume supervisor, Michelle, who is amazing. Um, she's really in charge of dictating the schedule and the needs for the department to the producers, right? Uh -huh. um, so we had her, we had two shoppers, um, we had an ACD, assistant costume designer, which is uh, my dear friend, Brittany Chapman, who's amazing as well. Um, so she, so if I'm not right there, she knows exactly what I'm looking for and she can make that decision in the moment. Um, then we have usually like three PAs that stay in the office and can kind of take stuff back and forth between set. 
Then we have a, a trailer costumer who's like in charge of the truck. And then we have like four costumers. One for Dominique Fishback to focus specifically on her. One for um, all the male day players. Uh-huh. One for all the female day players. And then we have like somebody who focuses a background key that focuses just on background. And she'll have a team of costumers that help dress them every day. Okay, this is another question. So I, I've heard this from costume, other costume designers. How does getting into a union work? What are the, how, what's the process for that? And like, how important is that? Um, being in the union is everything. If you have any desire to work consistently and to work um, to be able to stack benefits to get insurance and, you know, eventually a retirement fund, it's it's mandatory. So basically the process, there are two unions. There's the Costume Designers Guild. Okay which represents costume designers and assistant costume designers, as well as illustrators. And then there's 705, which is basically everyone else, supervisors, costumers, tailors, pattern makers, all age or dyers, all those people, right? So with um, some people work for years. I have a friend we're the exact same age she has been working for 12 years to get into the union and it wasn't until swarm that I was able to bring her on for her to get enough days as a PA because you have to you basically have to work 90 days as a PA to get in right So I was able to give her enough of those days consecutively to qualify to get into the union. The other way that you can get it is if there's just no costumers available or specifically costumers who know about the topic that you're tackling. So for example, Van, my friend, um, she worked in the styling arena doing music videos for a very long time. And she basically um, was super qualified to help us with Nyjah because she had relationships with showrooms and she could pull these like very grandiose costume pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I reached out to the union and I said, you know, she, there's no one else that is qualified. It's very busy. And I fought for her to be able to get on, come in as a costumer. You know what I mean? So, so in certain circumstances, if the designer can create a case uh-huh. and it, the need, you can get in immediately, but it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, if you want to get in, the best way is to just reach out to costume designers and they always need PAs and that's how you can get your days. Next question. So in your career, what would you say has been your like biggest lesson? Well, I'll say this. The very first show that I did that had like a massive budget for like a very big network um, was LA's Finest, right? Yeah. And that was a show where the previous season um unfortunately one of the they had an accident on set mm. and um they it was a very stunt heavy show and and one of the producers had sadly lost the bottom half of his leg oh. in the accident and so me coming into that space you know a, as a new designer this being my first show that's a network television show uh-huh. of this scale, um, there was a lot of walking on eggshells and and making sure that everything, every choice that I made was super safe and that the talent was taken care of, that my crew was taken care of. Like I just 
wanted to make sure there was never going to be an accident like that. Cause I, I didn't work on the first season, you know? Okay. Wow. Um, so the stakes were very high. And I think what it taught me is that that's how it should be for every show. Mm. Right. Like it, it, it shouldn't just be like, you're on alert because, Oh, wow, this just happened. Mm-hmm. It, it was a blessing because it, it, it called my attention to it. And now anytime there's a stunt, like I, I laser focus in on it to make sure that, that everyone's taken care of properly, you know? Okay. So what is the best advice you received? Or what do you think is some of the best advice you've received in your career thus far? Yeah, it's so funny because it's like, people don't directly give you advice, it Uh seems. Like it's more, it's more just like comments that people make, like, um, like basically I was at a family function just the other day and one of my cousins was like, how do you do it? I mean, like you're, you're one minute you're in Berlin, the next minute you're in India. You're like, is your house in LA or is it in Maryland? Like you're spread so thin. Like, how do you ever have a sense of home? Yeah. Yeah. And so her saying that made me be like, yo, like I need to put like more attention to making myself feel at home more regularly, right? Yep. Because, you know, in LA, I am taken care of, but it's very rare nowadays that I even get shows in LA. It seems like every show I get is like outside of LA for some reason. It's cheaper to shoot, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So like in the spaces that I'm staying in, how can I really look after myself and, and create that familiarity and like security of home. Right. Yeah. I always think about that. That's like one of the things that comes with the career choice that I think that sometimes you have a career, like you make this decision and it's like, oh, this comes with it. And you don't always think about like how you're going to manage that aspect of it, you know? And like how, how that would affect me. It's like, and I don't have kids yet. But like, if I had kids, it would be a parent. Like, I'd be like, okay, we have to take care of baby and do this, you know? Right. Like, right. Who, who's gonna take care of this baby? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so just making sure that you're really looking after yourself so that you can be your most confident and your most effective at work, you know? Yeah, I mean, music is the same way. You come in because obviously, yeah, you love working with artists and you love making the music, but then, you know, the music, the music making is happening between uh, 7 and 2 in the morning, 7 p.m. and 2 in the morning, or it's happening in other cities. It comes with the territory, but you don't really think about that when you're going into this. You're just like, this is what I love doing. Fortunately, it's, it's all things that you do love, you know, doing ultimately. But yes, balance is important. Taking care of yourself is important. And ultimately, you're working. So you want to show up as your best self. Yeah. Because yeah. you won't last, like in terms of longevity, yeah. without looking after that piece. So yeah, you don't want to get burnt out. And you're not just like performing a task. Like this requires your creativity, you really being present, you coming up with ideas. And that comes from you definitely got to make sure you work on that Dom I know I know girl it's a it's a daily thing and it's just like all I can do is focus on the now right yeah Yeah. um and I think I get better and better at every show I do of like really looking after myself better you know so Is there anything you'd like to see happening differently in your world and industry? Well, um, I know like right before COVID, like the whole quarantine thing, I've gone to a union meeting and 
and they were like, you know, hey, we're interested in starting this diversity committee, you know, sign up and if you want to participate. And so like I had put my name on the list and, you know, I really never got a call about it, you know, and I kind of followed up um, and it seemed like it kind of got lost in the sauce of like, you know, quarantine. And I totally get that. But yeah. now we're like out of it. And I think that that's something that really needs to be um, a spotlight needs to be put on because um, there are so few, you know, women of color and um, men of color in the unions as working costume designers and costumers. And it's like, there needs to be more of a opportunity for us to encourage and uh, each other and and to kind of like uplift each other. I do know that my friend Brittany Chapman started this great thing called the Fabric Collective, oh. which is a network that allows for at least you to let other um, people of color know about the jobs that are available okay. so that, you know, we can keep you know, just word of mouth going. Yeah. Um, so I totally applaud her effort, but I think it coming from our union would be even more powerful. So I, I'm hoping for um, something to come yeah. up. Yeah, making that effort. But yeah, conscious, I'm sorry, um, access to the opportunities, like knowing that these opportunities exist. Yeah. Um, is, is just really important and creating some sort of a pipeline however that we have this beautiful magazine um called costume designer and it comes out and like there's so many beautiful articles and spreads of people's work but if you really take a second to look at the number of brown people in that magazine it's like one per magazine you know what i mean so i just would love to see it more integrated are there any big goals you have that you want to share with us? But I, I guess it's more so just like, what are some big goals you have um, for yourself? Um, there's kind of two things, you know, I, like I said, I have background in directing and performing myself and, and costume design and, and being able to have the luxury to kind of employ all of those abilities on a project would be great. I am obsessed with Christopher Guest and like everything he does, like Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman, like th those type of mockumentaries are yeah. so cool to me. Yeah. So um, I would love to be able to direct uh, a mockumentary and, and just have like all my amazingly talented friends in it and just have fun and you know like so a project like that would allow you to really design a lot of amazing char characters and you know I mean you could really delve into some niche worlds and get some really cool stuff so that's something that's a big goal of mine um, and then you know producing I produced my first feature um, about four years ago and it took until last year was the first year it got into uh, American Black Film Festival. And uh, it also got into Urban World. And, you know, we did really well on the festival circuit and eventually sold it for distribution and um, to Gravitas. What was it called? What is it called? It's called Tencent Daisy. Okay. And it's pretty much about a Caribbean mermaid that gets like cast out of her village because they find out that she has like these healing qualities and they think she's like a witch oh my god where can i watch this she gets relocated in oakland and she has to adapt what yeah i want to watch this <laughs> yeah i'll send you i mean you can watch it's on apple like oh i'm a, i'm pulling it up i'm pulling yeah. that sounds very cool yeah, so like um, it was such a great process and we shot part of it in St. Lucia and mm -hmm. that is something that I've always wanted to flesh out the story more and I think it would lend itself to a series. Okay. So really looking to package that and hopefully take that out and pitch that as a producer so that we could kind of explore, you know, what life was like in St. Lucia 
generations back and how it came to be this girl etc so okay I'm definitely um can you say the name one more time you said Tencent Tencent Daisy Tencent Daisy okay and it just you know black mermaids are real you know like exist yeah (laughs) that's okay um that's like on my list top of my list actually um that's dope but it just goes to show that like I did that shit like four years ago and it takes a long time to finally get to the place where you're ready to like share it with the world and then for the world to say okay we're ready to receive it too yes timing is really something like you know you will have vision or certain things will um inspire certain ideas and you know often yeah you're as they say ahead of your time you know yeah Yeah, which is can be frustrating at times but or or you're just ready when the time is right and when everybody else finally catches up so yeah that way too so do you have anything coming up that you want to share with us Honestly, right now I'm kind of taking a break because I just uh, wrapped this movie um, with Ava that, you know, we had been working on it since October and we just finished it in March. So I'm like, I need a break. Okay. (laughs) Um, But that is very exciting project. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Isabel Wilkerson, the writer. Um, she's also a Pulitzer Prize winner. Uh, she has a book called Cast, and it's all oh, yeah, about. Of course. Yes. Okay. Well, I have it. I'm not going to lie. I still need to read it. It's very dense. I know. And I mean, I, I purchased it like immediately because I'm like, okay, this is, you know, something. This is just like one of those books that you just, you're supposed to read it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But the, I would recommend the audio, but. Um, cause it's like so much to absorb. Yeah. But yeah, so it's based off of, you know, the process of her writing that book mm. and really the cast structure between like in India and then looking at slavery and looking at the Holocaust and kind of drawing some connections between those three major events. Wow. Okay. And so that's what you were working on. Um, that's what you worked on with Ava just we okay. just it. yeah what's the timeline in terms of when that'll go out um, well, she, I know she's in the process of editing now and I don't know if she wants to I think she wants to have it come out in the fall uh-huh. you know um but yeah that, that'll be a feature film that will be in theaters and it's something that I think is really gonna push the envelope and you know when we talk about race in America so so it's a feature film so it's not a documentary or how okay so, so that challenging because you were going into different cultures and time periods correct we had to um research over 16 different eras we had 1800s 1910 1934 um 1950s mississippi india germany you know all over the world so it was very um research heavy (laughs) had you done a period piece before I, I did do in Colin in Black and White, you know, they yeah. had these kind of interludes where you would kind of go into his mind and there would be different uh, blasts from the past and he would yeah. be able to talk about and comment on history as it plays out in front of him. Yeah, I so that. I did that there. But yeah, this was the first time that I did period on this scale. So. big. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I, it sounds like an award, uh, nominate, nominating project or. I'm sure Ava's put so much work into her script and all the research, her and the writer Isabel, they worked together on it. And, um, so 
Anji New Ellis is the lead. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's such an amazing talent and like so kind. And so it was it was a great learning experience for me. Yeah, sounds big. I feel like you're gonna be at the Emmys next year. You have you been nominated before for an, for an Emmy? Um, I've been put up for nomination. Okay. So you know, kind of what happens is they like even for Swarm. Uh-huh. Studios say, hey, we think we should submit you for this. So they just submitted me for Swarm. They submitted me for when I did DMZ and Colin. So um, maybe I'll make it this time. Who knows? <laughs> Love it. Okay. I feel like we covered a lot. Part of this is obviously it's the journey. It's learning about you, but it's also educational. You're a veteran. You've been doing this for years and um, and you've done really, really great work. I think it's important to make sure people know who, who you are. So, um, yeah, I mean, thank you so much. Enjoy your time, your break that you're taking. I will. <laughs> 